Braves, Bulldogs, Falcons, Yellow Jackets, Hawks, Eagles. From the heart of Georgia, it's the Bill Shanks Show. Hour number three of our broadcast. Welcome back. I'm Bill Shanks with Russ Brown. It is 5 o'clock on a Thursday afternoon here in the state of Georgia. We appreciate you listening no matter where you may be. Online, thesuperstations.com in Macon, Warner Robins, Pinehurst, Rochelle, Fort Valley, Waycross, Blackshear, Brunswick, Savannah, and everywhere in between. And online all over the world. We appreciate you being with us. You may call our show if you'd like to participate in our conversation, which has been stimulating this afternoon. 478-646-ESPN. Also on Twitter, at Bill Shanks, at Russ underscore E underscore Brown. Steven on Twitter, most popular sports radio show in the world with an age demographic of 45 to 98. <laughs> well, you yeah, may, may be right about that, Steven. I don't know. Hopefully not. We'd love to hear your thoughts. We've been talking a little Braves baseball today, a little Hawks. Hawks fans, what do you think about the potential for Quinn Snyder to be the new Head coach, the Hawks reportedly are zeroing in on Quinn Snyder as the replacement for Nate McMillan. He would probably start next year and have a time to kind of watch and see what this team is all about, which would be an interesting time, that's for sure. We are, we're starting to see, Russ, in, in NFL circles, the releases, for lack of a better term. Rams just released veteran Bobby Wagner. And uh, I, I think we're going to see a little bit more. I, and I, I bring this up because uh, I know everybody's talking about the fact that Marcus Mariota's on this big Netflix thing, whippy freaking do. When's he going to be released? I would imagine it's got to be coming soon, don't you? Yeah, I think you want to. I mean, you want to make sure you have a, a, a contingency plan because you will need a backup quarterback. Right. Um, so I think once they can identify who that is or, or, or how they're going to acquire a backup quarterback, I think that's when you'll see it. And it may be, you know, they may be looking to draft a quarterback. You never know. Not necessarily in the first round, but, you know, to, to draft a backup. So I, I think it'll happen eventually, but maybe not right away. There was one mock draft I believe we saw earlier about the, I think the Falcons in the fourth round were taking an, a quarterback out of Iowa, Purdue. Who was that kid that they were taking in that? You remember that mock draft yeah, we saw earlier this week? Yeah, I can't remember which school, but yeah, that it was a, I think, yeah, fourth round pick. Day three pick and not going to knock your socks off, but, you know, the, the thought process of going to the well a couple of times to see if you can find your guy is not necessarily a bad thing. So, we'll have to see what they do. Sam Darnold was also projected to the Falcons as a free agent. I wouldn't mind Sam Darnold because, I mean, man, the Jets were crazy about him, and then all of a sudden he gone. He lasted, what, two years? That was it. So, anyway. Kirkland on Twitter. So, does Killer Ken think I'll be sad if Carson Beck does a good job this season? Wow, I need a drink of Tito's. <laughs> All right, by the way, Bobby Wagner – Started all 17 games this past season for the Rams and was Pro Football Focus's highest-graded linebacker. He was voted All-Pro for the ninth straight year, Russ. 
would they be interested in Bobby Wagner, the Atlanta Falcons? I don't think so. He's 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 thirty two years old, and I don't know what kind of salary he's going to command. Um, he may be a last piece type player for a yeah. team ready to ready to win it. Yeah, he was. Uh, his cap hit has been between seven and eleven million dollars. And again, I, I don't know what he's going to ask for, but. It's the age for me. And plus, you've got some young guys at that linebacker spot already that really need to play. It's going to be interesting to see what veterans they bring in. We talked about Hargrave from Philadelphia. Of course, Fletcher Cox, who I still love. I think he's just still a great player. He's 34. I think they've got to bring in a veteran or two, Russ. But, you know, kind of to your point, how much of a veteran? You know, they in the late 90s, when Dan was there, they brought in Cornelius Bennett, and he had already supposedly had his best years, which he had, you know, before with Buffalo. He was unbelievable with Buffalo. He was still pretty effective with the Atlanta Falcons, though. Biscuit. Mm-hmm. I mean, that man could still play, and he, but he couldn't have been, he couldn't have been too old because he he still played at a very high level. I thought, didn't you? Oh yeah, no, and he and he brought a lot of leadership to that team as well. It was a, it was a really, I mean, it was kind of, it, it was almost like what Bobby Wagner was for the Rams. You know, you, you have the bulk of your career and your stardom in Seattle. And then, you, you know, with the last few good years that you have left, you finish it up with Atlanta. Yeah. He was with Atlanta from 96 to 98. Wow. wow. So he, and he had two more years after that, Russ, Indianapolis after Atlanta. So he had five years after he was at Buffalo for 10, two, four, six, Eight, nine years, I'm sorry. And then he played, like you said, for the Falcons. And in that in that third year is when they went to the Super Bowl. So, you know, look, he, he was he was still good though. He was still still very productive. He had seven sacks in the twenty in the nineteen ninety seven season, one sack in ninety eight in sixteen games, but he uh he was still a presence. I loved him. I thought he was still a great player because he was just no, you could tell he was just going to be a outstanding player for your team, and he was 31 when he came to Atlanta. So that that was probably that same way of of okay, you know, Dan Reeves coming in in '96 was the first year. Russ, it was like well, we need a veteran player, but hell, you know, they also had Clay Matthews on that team. Mm-hmm. Oh, and who was that? Uh, Daryl Talley was on that yep, team. He sure was. And Daryl Talley was he was probably older than Biscuit. Because he had played at Buffalo, too. Mm-hmm. What a great team that was. They had some players on that team now. Big Bob Whitfield. That was a mean son of a gun. He had one eye. And he was really, really good, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, no. He awesome. was an absolute franchise tackle. No, no doubt about that. Wow, Jesse was 31 in 96. I didn't realize he was that old in 96. How about that? I guess he had played those early years in the 90s. Bobby A. Bear. How did we ever let him in the building? It's embarrassing. Because somebody had to back up Jeff George. Yeah. In 96, he played. George only had played three games. That was June's last year. 96 was the last year. I'm sorry. I confused that. 97 was the first year for Dan Reeves when they went 7-9. and nine. They were 3-13 and 13 in 1996. But they had some players that were the foundation pieces for that Super Bowl team. Craig Hayward, Ironhead. He he he's one of the former 
enemy people that I enjoyed watching in the Falcons uniform. Mm-hmm. It's only three years, but still, he was he had a great year in '95. Was '95 when they had your boy Birdie Manuel with Craig Hayward? Is that what they had in '95? I think, uh, yeah, I have to double check. Was but Hayward I think, went over a thousand yards that year, Russ? Yeah, yeah, he was the primary running back, um, and that, and that was in the run and shoot offense. Well, but, Jamal was a rookie. He had 161 years. Then Eric Metcalf. That's who they got. Eric Metcalf from Cleveland the year before that. Yeah, Bert Emanuel was on that team. Yep. Um, but Bert was more of a wide receiver, wasn't he? Yeah, than a re- yeah, yeah. He was a wide receiver. Yeah. Um, Eric Metcalf, Bert Emanuel, Terrence Mathis was on that team. Yeah, yeah. So they had some good players. So Terrence Mathis had a pretty good run with the Jets before he came mm-hmm. to Atlanta kind of as a secondary receiver. Then he came to Atlanta and – under June Jones in the run and shoot, I mean, he took off. Terrence Beth has had a really good career for the Atlanta Falcons. 7,398 yards, 49 yards. He was really, really good. So, anyway, just strolling through Falcons pages, which can get you in really big trouble. Really big trouble. But, anyway, the, the, those, that was a an interesting time because they got a, a head coach with Dan Reeves who did want some veteran players in there. And I, I was trying to look to see in 97 when Dan came in. All right, Bennett had already been with the team. And Jesse Tuggle was 32. So both Bennett and Tuggle were 32. Travis Hall was 25, young player. Chuck Smith was 28. So he was getting into an older player. Ray Buchanan had come from, what, Baltimore? I mean, uh, uh, Indianapolis? Indianapolis, yep. And he was a um, – that's the kind of move, I think. That Ray Buchanan kind of move is what they're going to be able to do in free agency here. Are they bringing another another great player? Lesson Archambault, of course, great player on the end there. Andre Crockett, Shane Dronette. I mean, they had some really good players on that team. And, and it well, I mean, I, I'm trying to find out. Devin Bush, that was a bad draft pick from FSU. What was that? What was the year they brought in Tally and Clay Matthews? Because Clay Matthews might have been thirty-five. I say that, yeah, I want to say it was like ninety-four, ninety-five. Okay, so so Clay wasn't on the on the um, Dan Reeves years. He was he was more with June. You think? You I think, think so. I think he was on with. Um, let's see. Oh yeah, Daryl Tally. Daryl Tally was thirty-five. Yeah, you're right. So it was with June Jones that Daryl Talley came to Atlanta because, oh, wow, Talley was only there for one year, Russ, because he had been for Buffalo. He would he had been for Buffalo a couple of years when they lost the Super Bowl to, to uh, well, what, Washington and then Dallas. And he played one year for Atlanta. He was 35 years old. And then Clay Matthews was also <laughs> – Clay Matthews was 39 years old. Clay Matthews is now 60. Six. He'll be 67 on March 1st, 15th. But, I mean, even though those teams weren't great, June Jones brought in some veterans there because Clay Matthews, till the day he left, was a mean son of a gun. Mm-hmm. Remember him? Yeah. Man. And they would just – I mean, by that time with the Falcons, they were just lining him up on third and long to go, go oh, yeah. try to sack the quarterback. Oh, it, yeah. It, it was effective. I remember interviewing him, and it's like that guy was – he was still in great shape in his late 30s, and he was still a force. I'm surprised he's not in the Hall of Fame, Russ. I know his brother is, Bruce, which is uh, Jake's dad, right? Mm-hmm. 
he's in the Hall of Fame, and I'm surprised Clay's not. Clay had a really good year. He was, uh, well, I guess he was, uh, he was a four-time Pro Bowler and a one-time second-team All-Pro. Well, maybe that's not good enough. Maybe he just had a long career and he wasn't that good, but I thought he was. He had 82.5 sacks in his career. Hmm. But anyway, so uh, my point with all this is the the veteran people who could be brought in now to join the young core of players that they have. I mean, Grady obviously is a little bit older. He's near 30, but but they have a lot of young players. A.J. Terrell, some of the defensive ends they brought in last year, Bikite and Malone. What will they want to bring in? What kind of player will they want to bring in to join this year's team? That, to me, is going to be very interesting when free agency starts because I would think, Russ, and I know you don't want to try to get too far over 30, but I, I don't think it would be bad to have someone in the 31, 32, even maybe 33, the right player age, who could be a veteran around that team with Grady and help mold that defense because they don't really have very many people on that defense that have done very much with the exception of Grady. Who else? Yeah, well, it's it's young. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. I, they're they're still they're still building. I mean, I, I they let Lorenzo Carter go, so that opens up room for a pass rusher. But I mean, obviously Grady's going to be there. We know that. And and then the other thing too with these linebackers, like, what do they see them as? Like, a gun to Jay can probably be a defensive end if they go to a four man front. But is Ibikidi at 6'3", 256, are they going to try to play him as a, a, a four-man down lineman or are they going to play him as a linebacker? And, and then you still got Troy Anderson and some of the other guys that you've drafted. So I I don't know. I think they're going to go – I think they would spend more for pass rush than, than they would linebacker um, and, and try to find somebody that, you know, you can book in with a Gundage or, or Ibikidi, whoever's going to kind of fill that role. Well, the, a Gundage – I like him. He's bigger than I I thought he was coming out of Notre Dame. He's a pretty big kid. Yeah, yeah. He's all he's pushing two seventy. Yeah, he's a pretty pretty big kid. Uh, J Rat on Twitter. Remember Tally, the linebacker from Buffalo, already had the U-Haul and bags packed before the Falcons lost that playoff game. Uh, you know what? Now that you say that, I do remember that. So he wasn't very much of a veteran, but he had been in Buffalo when they were really good. And then he came to the Falcons, and that was a not a good situation. That was the year Jeff George was the quarterback. That was a dumpster fire. Yeah. Unfortunately, that was that was a circus because of one player, which was Jeff George. Which I think when we've done the show before and asked the question, who's your most hated Georgia sports figure? Jeff George has been up there. Oh yeah, no question about it. It just it's a shame too because he had all the arm talent you could ever want. Well, probably one of the, the the strongest arms I've ever seen play quarterback in the NFL. No question. No question. It, it, he was um, he was really good, but he was just a putz, <laughs> right? I mean, there wasn't much else you can call him but that. I mean, he was Ryan Leaf before Ryan Leaf, right? I he mean, was. He, he just – I remember – He didn't have the excuse of being drunk. No, and I remember I was I was at a game he got tossed from against San Francisco, and he, gave, he went double birds on the way up the tunnel. He'd always get in arguments with June Jones on the sidelines. He was just – he was a mess. June Jones, about the nicest man you'll ever meet in your life. He's still coaching like in, what, the XFL? I heard that the other day on ESPN Radio. They were on there, and June's an OC for someone yeah. in the XFL. Yeah. Because they, they asked the coach, whoever was being interviewed, they said, so what kind of – they didn't know. What kind of offense does June Jones run? 
And he said, it's something called the run and shoot. <laughs> yeah, the Seattle Sea Dragons. There yep. you go. Joe just keeps on coaching, doesn't he? He's yep. somewhere all the time. But, no, that – that oh, my God. When, when Jeff George – think about a quarterback almost challenging a coach on the sideline. Have we had anything like that happen since that happened back in 94 it was probably? I mean, that's that was been, awful. Yeah, there's been arguments, but not to that level. I mean, I, Buddy Ryan punched Kevin Gilbride one time. Yeah. That was coordinator. Yeah, I'm talking about player and coach. But I, I, mean, don't think, I don't think so. Not like that. Well, they showed the video not too long ago on ESPN when Brady retired of Brady and Bill O'Brien going at it. But Bill O'Brien goes, he gets into it with everybody. He's nuts, right? I mean, he's just kind of wacko. But it wasn't like that. The Bill O'Brien and, and Tom Brady were trying to win. Yeah. And they were – this was just someone being a schmuck. Yeah, it was just being overly sensitive, and he didn't want to be criticized. And Jeff George – as far as Jeff George was concerned, he was he he was the greatest quarterback ever. You couldn't tell him anything. Just – which is a shame because, you know, he, he kind of calmed down. He played till he was, like, 40. Did he really? Yeah, because he was with the Vikings before Randall Cunningham, or maybe it was after Randall Cunningham. So I mean, he had a long career. Oh, talent-wise, he he was really good, but he was just um, I mean, he was the first player in the draft, and he it was worthy of him being the first player in the draft. I wonder what kind of reception he would get if he came back to a Falcons. Game. <laughs> no, I don't think he'd be a very good one. There, it, I don't either. Be a lot, there'd be a lot of people our age and older booing, and and a lot of people younger than us going, "Who the hell is this guy?" Yeah, I would think. I would think. I mean, but there's video. If you've never heard of Jeff George, who we're talking about here, there's video online. I'm sure. I don't even have to Google it and wonder where Jeff George is going after the former Falcons coach June Jones. Jeff George is now 55 years old. Wow. And he had. Three tumultuous seasons in Atlanta. Two full seasons. And then he went to Oakland, Minnesota, as you said, and then Washington for two years. So he, um, yeah, he had a, I'm sure he's got a nice pension there. But he he had to make a lot of money, Russ, don't you think? Oh, yeah. No, he played well, almost 16, 17 seasons. So there's there's no doubt. No doubt. He's, he, he got paid. All right, we're going to take a break. Four seven eight six four six ESPN six four six three seven seven six. Just kind of uh, shooting the breeze here. We'll be at the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame tomorrow. We look forward to that. No telling who could pop up on the show. We'd love to hear your thoughts on what we're talking about. A little sports talk here. Hawks fans again love to hear your opinion on Quinn Snyder. Could he be the new coach of the Atlanta Hawks? It sounds like it's going to happen. What do you think about that? Things we've heard from spring training, of course. We can talk about that. We'll take a break and be back with more sports talk right after this. Carolina Panthers are hiring former Georgia tight ends coach John Lilly for the spot of tight ends coach on Frank Reich's staff in Carolina. He had been at North Carolina in college as the tight ends coach for Mac Brown. So there you go. John Lilly, a uh, longtime coach for FSU and then coach with Mark Richt at Georgia. And he has uh, floated around into the NFL for the last couple of years before he went back and 
coached with Mac. So there you go. Well, I wanted to talk more about about leadership with Trey Young. And last thing I want to do is pick on someone, but if you've not heard the Hawks who are back in action tomorrow night against Cleveland at home to start the second part of the season, fired their coach on Tuesday, Nate McMillan. The word is that Quinn Snyder, the former Utah Jazz head coach, will be the next head coach or could be the next head coach. They are zeroing in on Quinn Snyder. Snyder's actually out of the country right now on some vacation, but he is expected to be back in soon, and it sounds like that's a very big possibility. John Collins came out and said some things about accountability and talked about how the players have to be accountable whenever there is a coaching change that they're you, – you, you just have to – take some of the responsibility for the team not doing what it should be doing and therefore having a coach fired, which was very refreshing to hear a a team have that kind of player on it to, to, to say it. And he said, John Collins said, that the team needs more accountability. DeJounte Murray, who of course was brought in this year to try to make a difference for this team, he, unfortunately, I mean, I just don't know if it's worked or not. It's hard to really tell because this team is a game under 500. So the plan that was in place to try to have two ball handlers in the backcourt, well, they're not winning. How can you say anything's worked if they're not, yeah, it's not it's, winning? They're not. I mean, it may not be his fault, but, right. it's, yeah, it's not working because they're not winning. They're not, it, it, you can have all the individual stats you want to, but it's like, no, not win, it's not working. He actually said that he had talked with Nate McMillan and discussed things with him and was very, very free with his comments about, look, I wanted to check in with Nate because he's a good man. He he is someone who I respected. And it was just good to hear someone say those things and said, well, Nate sucks. You know, leave that to us. We'll say it plenty of times. <laughs> the coaches obviously try to gain the respect of the players, and it was good to hear at least one come up and say, well, I respect it, Nate and that was DeJounte Murray. Trey Young has stifled himself the last couple of days. No word yet. He didn't go to practice today. He had an excused absence from the practice. I assume, Russ, they'll have a shoot-around tomorrow. Yep. And at some point, whether it's tomorrow after that shoot-around or before or after the game tomorrow with Cleveland, we're going to hear from Trey Young. And I hate to say that he's going to be on the spot, but he is. He is. Uh, I mean, he is. You're the you're – the- Face of the franchise, you're the star player. The coach got fired. There, the questions are going to come, and you didn't make yourself. He should have made himself available yesterday, and this would already be over. But by not doing that, he's going to get asked about this either shoot around. Hopefully, it's shoot around before the game, not after the game, because then after the game, they're going to use the oh, well, this isn't the time and place for that question. Well, when the time and the place was available, you weren't. So the the, the questions are going to get asked. I just hope it doesn't. Get ugly because Trey can he he's got that chip on his shoulder and he can get a little bit sensitive. So and you know I I don't think this is the only talk show in the state of Georgia that's asking questions about Trey Young. So it's 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 we're we're gonna find out in this period uh, when when the new coach comes in we're gonna find out if Trey Young is a problem or not. And I hope he's not, but 
you know, the, the last couple of days by not speaking to the media is not, it's not a good thing. Not a good look. Sometimes that not a good look thing, we were talking about the situation with Alabama. Sometimes you do things because you don't want a bad look. And I think, for example, just as another example, not playing that young man last night would have been a better look than playing him because that wasn't a good look. Yeah. So, Trey Young not speaking to the media, not a good look. Be one thing if everybody else had dummied up too, but you've heard the others talk. So it's like, well, Trey, what do you think here? And I hate to give up on this kid because giving up on this kid would pretty much confirm what we always have feared, and that is that that trade with Dallas is going to be one of the worst in NBA history. And if Dallas somehow gets better and Luka Doncic wins them a championship, which hasn't happened now, not like they're winning championships either, so it's fair to bring that up. But uh, it's it's hard to think that that trade's ever going to be a win for Atlanta, and I, I guess we knew that after Cam Reddish was traded from Atlanta a while ago. But when you have a team in turmoil and you're searching for a leader and you see others step up and your main guy not, kind of wonder about it. Look, uh, trying to bring some parallels in here. When Dansby Swanson left to go to the Chicago Cubs, a lot of people believed that, oh, God, what are the Braves going to do for a leader? And with what I'm going to say here, it's, there's not any way I can try to not sound like, well, that was a waste of time because Dansby's not a leader. And and I'm not saying that, but I do not think that Dansby's leadership was as valuable as many people thought. I never got the sense that they were going to be a crushed clubhouse if he left. Now, I'm not saying that they're happy he left. I'm not saying that at all, but I, I – I think there were more fans upset that he was going to leave to go to the Cubs than necessarily the players because I think the players are used to comings and goings by now, and it's not a big deal to them anymore. They know after, for example, a Freddie Freeman can leave that, hey, anything can happen in baseball. Players have to kind of grow up quick in that environment and, and realize that. Travis Darno is going to be a leader for this team, and I'm not worried about leadership one bit. But you do, when some other player leaves, like Dansby leaving, you do wonder if there will be a void in the clubhouse and if there's anyone else that can be in that position of leadership because everybody needs a leader. We all need a leader. We all, you always need, in the group you're in, someone to, to be the leader. Who's the leader? Who's in charge? Who's the guy? Who's the who's the voice? Who's the, you know, we were so fortunate during the years of the Braves run that there were tons of leaders. There may have been too many leaders around. And, you know, when the pitchers were gone, when the big three were gone, of Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz, number 10 stepped up. And it was like, well, this is Chipper's team now. John Smoltz is gone. Boom, here's Chipper. When Chipper left... It, it kind of shifted, and eventually, it took a little while, but eventually it became Freddie's team. And then when Freddie left, everybody was like, well, what's going to happen now? Well, Dansby stepped up. There's no question about it. I'm not going to deny that. And now with Dansby gone, I fully expect Travis Darno to, 
to step up and become a leader. But with a basketball team, is number one, there's not as many people there. You always have the drama from basketball, and you do wonder, well, who's leading the way here? Well, Trey can say some good things at times, but then his actions make you think, well, what's going on? And I just don't know what a new coach is going to think about Trey Young. You're, you're going to get, and this is a good thing, Russ, you're going to get a, a fresh set of eyes to come in. That's why I said if they do hire Quinn Snyder right now, he'll have some time to really look and evaluate this team almost from an objective, objective standpoint. No built-in thought processes, just someone, okay, I'm brand new. I'm going to see what this is like and form my opinions. And I think that's going to be good. But I also think it's going to be very interesting because, again, what if that new person comes in and says, you know what, I think we'll be better if we trade Trey Young. Because I think it's got to be possible and on the table. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, if, if the goal, the stated goal is to win a championship, I mean, you've got to figure, you got to chart that course with what you have. And with this current roster, with a tweak here or there, can they be a championship team? I now I haven't seen anything in you know, 59 games to tell me that that's the case. So then you have to decide, well, are they just not meeting their full potential and can we get them to meet their full potential? And then at that point, is this a team winning capable of winning a championship? And if the answer is still no, it, it's not necessarily saying trade Trey Young. It's saying, well, if you have to start over and rebuild because of you're so close to the luxury tax that your owner doesn't want to go over and you don't have very many draft picks because of the trades you made, then the only option to completely, totally hit the reset button is to do that. So Absolutely. that's that's what needs to be figured out over the course of the next, I would say, what, what's left of this season and next year. I mean, it's not a urgent right now, they got to trade Trey Young today, which obviously you can't, but it's that's not what this is. This is you, you really need to take the ne- this offseason and next year to really – assess exactly what you have here no question i agree four seven eight six four six espn will is in north carolina hello will how are you i'm all right bill beautiful day in north carolina what's the temperature down there oh it's hot man it's like it's like low 80s it's beautiful it's perfect yeah got the pollen stirring though i'm stopped up you sound a little stopped up yourself oh yeah Uh, have been for years (laughs) um I was reading where uh, it's the hamstrings now for uh, Mike Soroka. Has he become the uh, Atlanta version of Jacob DeGrom? Well, I hope not. I mean, I I think um, you hate to ask the question of whether someone just is destined to be hurt all the time. It was something that obviously kind of happened to to Soroka when he got down to camp. He felt it. He was like, you got to be kidding me. So uh, they don't seem too worked up about it, though, Will. So hopefully he'll be able to – have a somewhat normal spring after being slowed down a tad, and he'll be able to come back and get back on track to uh, to be ready to pitch. All right. I, my question is, I ain't really seen anything about Ozzy. You got any updates on Ozzy? Well, I mean, from all accounts, he's good. I, I don't think there's any issues with any of the things he had last year, which is a good sign. Um, where are you going to hit him? That's my question. Where is he going to be in that lineup, Will? Mm. Well, I, I would assume that I I don't know I, I'd have to see spring play out at least. Uh, I, nobody really. I mean, everybody's expecting Ronald 
to have a really great bounce back year, and I I I, I want uh, Ozzy to bounce back himself. But I mean, sure, he was hurt since he was hurt uh, for the middle of summer on. I, I would just have to see how he was hitting in spring training if you know if he's going to come back with full health. Are you comfortable with him at second and in, in second uh, in the batting order, or do you want Michael Harris? No, I'd rather have experience. I'd first just. I'd rather have. I'd rather have Ozzy there to at least begin the year. Mm-hmm. I, mean, um, I mean, that to me is one of the questions of spring training. Who hits second? That's a good question. Yeah, um, I'd rather have just the proven experience. I mean, Brian tinkers with the lineup and eventually he gets it set by uh, July or whatever, July 4th, and we take off. So we'll just let – that's what we got uh, the great snit for, just let him tinker and figure it out. Because, I mean, the past two or three years we've had to fill some really big holes, but we've yeah. just kept on. So Got to get off to a good start, though, this year, Will. I don't, I don't want to be 23 and 27 and ha- hearing me and Russ – moaning and groaning about the first 50 games of the year. I want a good and hot start for this team. Yeah. I, the more and more I sit here and watch this MLB network and all this stuff, the more I'm not worried about the Mets. I mean, me and you have been talking about the Phillies have one of the best off seasons we think. That's really who I'm kind of nervous about is the Phillies this year. They're good. They're really good. You know what I went and bought today was the – Lindy's preseason magazine for Major League Baseball. I was really happy to get it. I, I've, I've gotten it about every year since I was 10 years old. Maybe, well, may, I think nine years old. And I, I love getting those preseason magazines. Yeah, I, I'll get them for college basketball. I think I've right here, uh, I've got one with Grayson Allen on it. It's the last one I see. So that's oh, 2017 Is Grayson Lambert still playing for your Pistons, Ross? I don't. I don't. Follow the Pistons. I don't know. Yeah, right. He's lying. <laughs> I think Grayson Lambert, he's like floating around a couple Yeah, of he's still time. in the league. He, he had some shenanigans going on. No, get out of town. Yeah. You're kidding. Holy cow. Y'all leave, my, y'all leave my dookies alone. Hey, we may, the, one of your dookies might get hired. Uh, Quinn Snyder Quinn may get hired by the Hawks. He's a dookie. Yeah, I, I mean – Good for Quinn Snyder. Uh, I could tell you really like him. <laughs> well, I don't know if I like that spot, but I mean, well, if you've been in Utah, and I mean, it's just the draft continues to haunt in Atlanta, taking Trey Young over Luka Doncic. Yeah, I mean, but, well, they uh, they took Luka and traded him, but your point's well uh-huh. taken. All right, Will. Yeah. Hey, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Grayson Lambert, Alex says, is in Milwaukee. Yep, that's it. Okay, there you go. Grayson Lambert is kind of a punk. Kind of. Who's the worst punk? We should have asked Will this. Who's the worst punk? Christian Leitner or Grayson Lambert? Oh. So that's a tough one. What, Alex? I'm Grayson Allen. Oh, Grayson, Grayson Lambert played Grayson Lambert. Georgia. I don't like that's him right. either. Heck with him. <laughs> Grayson Allen, excuse Grayson me. Allen. Grayson Allen. Grayson yeah. Lambert was a quarterback at Georgia. Grayson Allen made Mike Bobo a good OC. What are you talking about? <laughs> Grayson Allen or Christian Leitner? That's a good question. That's a tough one. They're both punks. I, yeah, I would have to say Allen, though. Really? Yeah, he never went after other people's. Uh, Leitner never went after your manhood. That's. <laughs> uh, 
That's drawing a line right there. Like it's like Chris Paul. I never liked Chris Paul because he went after Julius Hodge like that. Just, that. That's a thing you don't do. Really? Yeah. I remember when Hank had to teach Bobby that on King of the Hill. <laughs> you just don't do that. No hitting below the belt. Grayson Allen's. He is a putz now. There's no question about that. Someone asked on Twitter, name me a prospect that you wish didn't bust. I put on there Brad comments. Old Braves fans will remember Brad comments. 40 years ago, he was supposed to be the next Del Murphy. He he was awful. Big flop. Anytime we can mention Brad comments on this show, if you don't know him, first of all, good luck. Good for you. Second of all, Google him. Great in AAA. Well, looks like looks like Tarzan plays like Jane. That's Brad comments. Great in AAA, but man, he couldn't. And Hank Aaron loved him. Oh my God, he was going to be the next Braves big shot, and he was more like the big. Mm. Four seven eight six four six ESP. We got one on hold. We'll take a break. Come back. Three lines open. If you'd like to join us, back with more right after this. You know, Russ, if we uh, have a little shindig at Murphs, where we let the old—I mean, uh, the uh, uh, guys up there in Atlanta—come and fight, Ken from Coming <laughs> and Eddie from Ackworth. Wait, we can't do that in the presence of Dale Murphy, though. Can we? Oh, that's a good point. Or maybe Murph gets involved and straightens everybody out. Somebody phone going dead? What was that noise? Did you hear that noise? Okay. I'm hearing things. Dogs in the car with Ken. <laughs> we need to let John from Warner Robins come and he'll whip both rats. Yeah. Do you agree with that, John? Oh, yeah. And I tell you right now, Murph jumps in. I'll whoop his ass, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, I know about that now. He may be 66, but he, he's still big. <laughs> that stuff is so full of damn cheese curds and beat up on his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do that to old Dale Murphy now. <laughs> uh, we went to the uh, playoff game a couple years ago. met him, had a conversation with him. You were running late for some reason, if you remember that. And, uh, yeah, he's a great, phenomenal dude, man. He oh, that's awesome. He's, he is great. Well, just, you know what? He um, pinched me. Dale Murphy knows my name. and, and he, But he's, he's just as great as you always wanted him to be if you ever meet him. And some, some of you, I, I tell you what, one of the great things, and I think Russell will, will agree with me on this, one of the great things that we've learned over the last couple of years is just and seen is Dale Murphy being able to enjoy his fame by – interacting with so many fans like you said you talked to him i mean i'm so glad so many people have had that experience with del murphy and that del murphy has had that experience with the fans because he needed to know how important he was to everybody in this state oh for sure and, and bill i've seen him in there a couple times you know, just trying to enjoy a meal and uh, he dropped what he's doing to take pictures with fans and you know yeah. sign the titties and kiss the babies but he's he's a phenomenal dude just the generosity alone is just He's awesome. He's he is. Back. He's awesome. Can't wait to be there again. That's for sure. We'll 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 be there this year. Can't wait for it. It's almost here. Well, definitely. Uh, Grayson Allen. If you hit, you hit. Uh, I would say he's borderline Dingleberry, but he is definitely a Grade A certified douche. I mean, there's <laughs> there is no bigger douche in basketball, even at the collegiate level. Like you just have to think like. He probably went to an all-girls school where they teach him how to piece things down. He's a trust fund kid, I think. 
like his dad called him a favor to Coach K to get him on the team. I've never liked that dude. I don't like Duke for that matter. So it's but why? But you know what? That that brings up a thought. Why is there always someone in college basketball that seems to be a Grayson Allen? Like that's always hated. Who was that? Well, the uh, I'll tell you who was. I th- think it was it a couple years ago was Jim Beheim's son. Oh what, yeah. He kind of looked at as the oh, yeah. as the DB for that year in college basketball. Remember that, John? Oh sure. I I think what it is, and this is just me spitballing here. You know, they're probably he probably gets in the showers after practice to look down and <laughs> realize he doesn't have what everybody else has. He has to compensate for it. And he just can't believe that water's not flowing up. Yeah, it, like it, it might as well be cold, but you know. It's, but yeah, it's just there's no there's no. Bill, you're absolutely right. There's no reason behind it. There's always some guy at some level that's just a douche. Draymond Green for me is that at the NBA level. Oh I yeah, he is man. He he just thinks, and now he's on TV and he thinks he's the big deal on television. Now I tell you, but no, Grayson Allen's going to be very disappointed the first Easter after his death. Oh sure, I mean, but Bill's paid. He's paid. <laughs> That's the problem. These guys are making money. So why change now? It works. I know it. No, you're right. You're right. No question about it. He's something. He, he's a – I wonder what kind of teammate he is. I wonder if, like, his teammates – because who was he on before Milwaukee? Utah? Was it Utah? Maybe? Okay. It might have been. I think it may have been. Or some, or Denver or something. Out, somewhere out west, I believe. Yeah. And then, then Milwaukee. But he – you know – it's like Tyler Hansborough. Wasn't he kind of DB like that, too? No, he was just kind of goofy, bug-eyed, and goofy. didn't seem very bright. <laughs> I mean, he's a lot smarter than he looks. We'll put think, it that way. I think we're picking on white basketball players that here. It kind of feels like it. Kind of yeah. sounded racial to me. He was uh, he was with Memphis uh, before Memphis. he came to Milwaukee. Okay. But he did okay. play for um, – he started with the Jazz and then ended up with the Salt Lake City Stars. Oh, wow. I bet there's been some people who have interacted with him who wanted to send him to the stars. He just seemed like he would be he, – he, I'll tell you what. He seemed like someone like – right now he's in Milwaukee. If there's some badass in Milwaukee like the Fonz, they want to go find Grayson Allen. Fonz. <laughs> <laughs> the Fonz lived in Milwaukee. I'm he sure, did. I'm sure he's after Grayson Allen, isn't he? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. Well, maybe he'll get traded to Atlanta, John. We can go track him down. Oh, for sure. Uh, real quick, though, if you guys remember, the most gratifying thing in college basketball to me was when Gerald Henderson put that elbow in Tyler Hansborough's nose. Oh, my God, that was awesome. <laughs> Hansborough's not playing anymore, is he? I don't He's think gotta so. He's got to be done, doesn't he? I don't He blingered like with the Pacers for a while. North Carolina always has a goofy white boy playing center. Don't think seriously. I mean, they seem to always have like a goofy white boy playing center at, at North Carolina. There was another one a couple of years ago. Uh, he's Tyler's still playing. He's no, over, really? he's overseas. Yeah. Oh my gosh. He's playing in a Puerto Rican league. Really? Yep. Well, that's good. Joe Biden can go see him since Joe Biden's Puerto Rican. Do you hear that, John? Yeah. Oh my God. That's the dude. Don't, don't get me started because Russell probably hate me. And Shirley would definitely hate me if you go down that route. So <laughs> it's a. Uh, Let's change the subject. Yeah, okay. That's fine. I mean, I, it would be fun if the question of the day was, what is our president today, Puerto Rican or Polish? <laughs> All right. Anyway. All right, John. Thanks for the call. Good thanks, Lord. guys. I appreciate it. <laughs>
Well, it's him. He says it. No, Just no, he brought it on himself. Question. There's no, nope. You can't. I mean, uh, facts you know, are facts. You're growing up in black churches in Delaware. I don't think there's a black person in Delaware. Then, then there's Puerto Ricans. He's Puerto Rican. And now he's Polish. Now he said the other day, I heard it. I was watching it live on network TV. I should have been listening to the Midday Sports Zone. Yeah, you should I, have. I was watching CNN, and he said, I love all the Polish people in Delaware. And I'm like, there ain't nobody from Poland in Delaware in the whole history of that state. He, uh, he's That's his, uh, that's his uh, place, though, right? Isn't he, uh, what are they, Delawarean? Yeah, yeah, among other things. Yeah, that's right, because I remember the, the, the presidential box. We played Delaware in the playoffs, and they put and he was like the vice president okay. at the time. Yeah. And they said, yeah, that's the presidential box where Joe Biden, when he comes to the game, and all it was was like this concrete platform with rails around it. Make sure he wouldn't fall. But they had us in a deer stand, so it wasn't like the nicest facility. That was pretty good. That could have been your good sound effect. See, you miss it. He, hey, put, hey, he gives me guy. sound effects that I don't like. It's like, damn. <laughs> too, no, I don't like that one at all. <laughs> Take that one out. No, you're too late. You're on a 34-second delay, Chris. I say something that deserves a damn drum beat. And, uh, anyway, thank you. But Jonathan on Twitter, Mike Kelly was our number one pick, second overall the year after Chipper went 1-1. We thought it was going to be a dynasty. It was, but not the way we drew it up. Mike didn't pan out. That's exactly right. He That was in response to the question about name a prospect that you wish didn't bust from baseball history nut. And I said, Brad, comments. And Jonathan on Twitter said, Mike Kelly. Mike Kelly, Russ, was this kid from Arizona State, and he was a second overall pick, and he was supposed to be like the right-handed version of Barry Bonds. Oh, yeah. I remember Mike remember Kelly. Remember Mike Kelly? Oh, yeah. And he was traded in the Roberto Kelly trade. No. I think he was. Anyway, Mike Kelly never panned out. And it was a really big disappointment because we were like, man, we're fixing to have – he's right. We're fixing to have a dynasty, but it's not the way we drew it up like that. But anyway, that's kind of a fun question. Nothing like talking about flops on the big show. Brad comments. Who's but, another one as of late? Prospect. Tyler Pastor-Nicky? Scott Thorman. Tyler Pastor-Nicky. I think you just like to say the word Pastor-Nicky. Well, somebody thought he was better than Andrew Jones, so I'm just saying. No, Andrew Alton Simmons. And jo- I'm sorry, Andrew Alton Simmons, yes. <laughs> yeah, that was not a very good player out of evaluation. Frank, <laughs> you're listening to The Bill Shank Show.